On today's Locked on Jayhawks, I'm going to be joined by Michael Swain from 24-7 Sports and Fog.net, and we're going to go over some KU basketball. We're going to go over some KU football. That on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Welcome into another edition of Locked on Jayhawks. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, because you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast or subscribe on YouTube, Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports and Fog.net joining us now on uh, Locked on Jayhawks. And uh, on today's edition, we're going to go over some KU basketball. Obviously, KU takes on North Dakota State. We also are going to go over uh, some KU football with them taking on Texas Tech this weekend here. So we'll start on the basketball front and North Dakota State, the game tonight. KU just took on Omaha, another team in the same league as North Dakota State in the Summit League, but just a better team in that league. So we have the, the game one reactions. I guess we have really two games of reactions with the exhibition as well. If if something were to repeat itself tonight in the North Dakota State game um, that happened against Omaha or in the, the Pittsburgh State game, what would be most telling to you to make you feel like, okay, that's something that I feel like is going to continue over the course of the season? Well, definitely. I think we're going to see some defensive blitzes that kind of turn into offense. I think you saw that in the exhibition. You saw it against Omaha, where there are times when Dewan Harris and Kevin McCullough and even someone like Jalen Wilson comes out, pokes the ball free. They make three stops in a row and, you know, maybe they get two fast breaks out of it and a secondary break out of the third. And I think that's something that heading into the season, I think you thought would be something this KU team could do, but just to see it from the get-go right against, you know, Pitt State, they did it after they had the really slow start, kind of go some full court press. Bill Self teams don't usually press, you know, that's not something that he's really done a lot, but it seems like this is a team that will kind of do some more of that soft pressure considering the fact you've got two on-ball defenders who are probably within the top 20 in the country, I'd say, somewhere around there, you know, in Harris and McCuller. So I think what you're going to see, you know, tonight and even going forward into probably the Duke game is KU's going to have moments where they start turning the opposing team over. They get some easy baskets, and I think that's going to help spark some offense for KU this year. Is there any question to you that Jalen Wilson won't be this team's best player? Because, I mean, he, he was – in control command 19 11 and 7 but you also see what what Grady Dick did uh we know that Kevin McCuller can be great defensively we didn't see a ton of it offensively in the first game is there any question in your mind that Jalen Wilson will end up being this team's best player no I think you saw it too the all-around ability of what he can do and I think last year probably worked perfectly for him on that team having that role where kind of game in and game out. He could kind of either be a really good rebounder. There are some games where he scored a lot. There were some games where he had some really good assists. And I think you kind of see on this team, he's going to have the opportunity to put it all together. I mean, to basically have somewhere near a triple-double, right, a few assists away, like that's impressive, especially in a college game when Wilson didn't even play the final three minutes. And so I think for me, I look at him, and I think consistently he will be KU's best player. I think there will be games when Grady Dick is the best player on the floor, like – even in Big 12 play, that's how good he is in terms of a score. I think defensively he'll be better than he was. I think some of the backdoor stuff kind of maybe got away from him against Omaha the other night. But I think you look at Jalen Wilson, he will be KU's best player 
all season. And I think for him, it'll be fascinating to see, is this the player you see all year where it's a double-double and four assists, a double-double and six assists? Like, is that going to be who he is all year? Because if he is, like, that's an All-American type of season, especially if you consider that he's going to be averaging probably north of 15 points a game. So I think he will be K's best player. And depending on how those assist numbers come out, I think you're looking at him potentially having an All-American season if things go really well. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really interesting dynamic, and and I wonder with Grady Dick, you know, it, it's more so going to be the scoring aspect. Like, I don't know if you're to a point where you you think Grady Dick could lead the team in scoring, uh, even if Jalen is the best player. But I, I do think that it wouldn't surprise me if we see a, a thirty point game from Grady Dick at some point. Whereas I don't know if that'll be in the cards for Jalen Wilson. Like, it feels like he'll consistently be between like fifteen and and twenty two points, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but with Grady Dick, the interesting part is, you know, we, we've seen other freshmen have a good debut for KU in the Bill Self era. And most recently, like the one that I know will pop up for a lot of people is Quentin Grimes with what he did against Michigan State in the Champions Classic. I think he hit six threes in that game. And that didn't really translate over to, you know, having all sorts of success in his true freshman season. It, it, does this feel different for you with Grady Dick? It does. The headspace. That's where I go to. I don't think Quentin Grimes was at Kansas the most mentally, I don't want to even say tough, but resilient individual. I think you saw that with his confidence, how it kind of dwindled as the non-conference play went on on that team. And I think also for him on that team, it was probably a little bit of an ego blow, right? You know, he probably thinks, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to handle the ball a lot. And then Devon Dotson has such a good start to the season and start to camp that he's the one that is really the point guard. So then Quentin had to play off the ball where this is Grady Dick. This is who he is. He's an off-ball guy. He can't handle the ball some, can take guys off the dribble, but he is a scorer at the end of the day. And I think you look at the confidence, he has kind of that NBA type of mindset where even if you miss your shot, it's like, oh, that was dumb. Well, here you go. I'm going to make this one. Oh, I'm going to make this one. And I think Bill Self talked about that at Big 12 Media Days. I think even at the team's media day that, hey, this is a guy that it doesn't matter what just happened. He could be 0-15. He still thinks he's going to make that next shot. Quentin Grimes is not like that. And even if you want to go back to Xavier Henry, right, uh, Grady's points were the most in a freshman debut since Henry. Like Grady is a different mentally person in, in terms of just the way he approaches the game and the way he looks on the floor than I think either of those two players were, which I think if you want to project that long-term through the season, there will be ups and downs, right? He's not going to go out and score 20 points a game. He's not going to shoot you know, 69% from the fleet field every game. There will be ups and downs, but I think you have trust in his mentality and what he's been through at the high school level and playing on the national side too, that he's going to be able to kind of play through that. So we haven't seen MJ Rice yet, and he missed the exhibition, was injured, uh, didn't play with injury the last game, though we did see him warming up. So I guess that would give you an idea that he's trending in the right direction there. Um, Certainly someone who could have a very wide variance for his playing time. Like it wouldn't shock me if, you know, he's only playing 10, 15 minutes a game when he's back. It wouldn't shock me if he plays really well and he's he's getting more than that. What do you kind of envision his role being for the team when, when he comes back? And who do you think would be at risk to lose the most minutes or, or the role in their rotation when he does? Well, I think if you look at the way they did the rotation against Omaha, you know, KJ played some minutes at the four with Ernest at the five. And that lineup kind of sucked. Um, if you want to look at like the lineup data, it wasn't great. So I think if you're looking at the, the rotation and where he comes in, I think kind of that period where KJ, he came out of the game after about six minutes and then came back in two minutes later. 
I think that's kind of the period when maybe MJ Rice would come in. But I see him being in that Zach Clements, Joseph Yesifu category more so than, you know, your Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson McCuller, where he'll get three minutes in the first half. If it goes well, he may get three more minutes in the second half. I just don't see him being a guy right now that's going to walk in and play 15 minutes. I think they've just got to work through some stuff with him, right? I think that just whether it be on the court or off the court, just they got to figure some stuff out where I think it's going to take time for him. Bill Self has said as much heading into the preseason. For me, I think the fact that he warmed up and then didn't play is a little odd. Um, that was super weird that, you know, seemed like he was available, but then when garbage time came, like he wasn't out there. So it's just a weird situation already getting some weird vibes from it. So we'll kind of have to see with it, but I think he's a guy that will be in that category of he's going to get time in the first half, right? See how he does. If he's on that game, if he's locked in, if he's not thinking, that's the thing that Bill Self has talked about, right? Play freely. Don't think if he's doing that great, get some playing time in the second half. And as the season goes on, maybe he takes some minutes, shave some minutes off of Grady and shave some minutes off of Jalen. If you need to get him some rest. So I think you're right. High variance is the right way to approach or MJ Rice's season. And right now I kind of lean on the, the lower side of things. All right. In just a minute, we're going to get on to some KU football talk, but first this episode of locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by upside upside offsets, inflated prices by giving you cash back on purchases. You can use it at the grocery store or the gas pump and all sorts of daily or weekly places you go. That's a lot of cash back for, Buying those extra Christmas presents at this time of the year. Maybe saving up for a trip to a bowl game or for tickets if your team's already hit six wins. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out, which that's everyone. With Upside, you don't have to cut back because you get cash back on every purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Then you claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Super easy to do. You check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs. You can get as much as three times cash back with Upside as Upside users are earning more than $3 million or a million dollars every week. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more with promo code LOCKED. Okay, we have uh, some KU football talk here. Kansas takes on Texas Tech on Saturday. Uh, the bowl game has now been accomplished for KU. They, they did that in the Oklahoma State game. So, you know, any, I guess, goals from here on moving forward, pretty much the last three games, I, I guess there is the possibility of, of making a Big 12 title game. Uh, they got to win out. You need Baylor to lose two games the rest of the way. Is that a real discussion for you? Is is that a real possibility? Or are you kind of sitting back like, let's see what happens this week. If they beat Tech, if Baylor loses to, to Kansas State, that, then maybe we can have some of those conversations. I'm probably in the middle of it. Um, it deserves talk, right? There's a possibility. KU basically controls its own destiny to some degree. Baylor's schedule is pretty tough. Yeah. Right? They play K-State at home, then they have to go on the road to play Texas at the end of the season. They still have to play TCU. If you're going to pick three games that Baylor could lose at the start of the season, those are the three games you're going to pick. And it's crazy that they come in the final three weeks of the season. So I think for me, it's not something I expect. I think it's something where it's, hey, let's see how it goes against Texas Tech. Let's see. If you want to look at the overall trends of the season, right? KU got off to a really good start, right? 5-0. and And then the three-game losing streak is kind of a downward trend. And 
They showed an uptick against Oklahoma State. Now can you show it back-to-back upticks and make it seem like, okay, now they're back to where they were maybe at the beginning of the season. And if it doesn't go well against Texas Tech, then okay, the Oklahoma State game, great to get the sixth win. But maybe in terms of the overall trends, maybe that's more on the closer to being an outlier. So I think for me, it's a, yes, you have to mention Kansas in this conversation because of the fact that if things go right, yeah, there is a chance that they could play in the Big 12 title game, as weird as that is to say. But it's not something I expect that Kansas is going to be going to Kansas State on the final day of the season thinking if you win this game, you're going to Arlington. I'm not sure if we'll get to that point. I just think that it's going to require Kansas to be really darn good and close to what they were like early in the season. Um, I will say, you look at Texas and their record north of Texas in November, it's not great. And if you look at the weather, it's about to fall off a cliff here in Kansas, and it's going to be cold. So that wouldn't fit well for Texas. Maybe that helps Kansas a little bit, you know, edges here and there. But I think overall it's just great for the program that you can say, hey, there's a world in which this can happen because at the beginning of the season I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, to, to be at this point, and, and that's kind of the beauty of them reaching the bowl eligibility. Everything is just kind of the cherry on top mm-hmm. from there. Um, if you lose the Texas Tech, it's it's kind of shrug your shoulders. Okay, well, you know, uh, because now you you get rid of that pressure of, hey, if we, if we lose out or, or if you're sitting there five and six headed into the Kansas State game, now all of a sudden that game means something completely different than what it would be at this point in time. Uh, as far as the Texas Tech game goes, I know this is something you've been kind of keeping an eye on and, and tracking and asking questions about it at press conferences is the tempo of some of these opposing offenses. And uh, Oklahoma obviously played really fast and it burned KU. They looked unorganized. Guys mm-hmm. were lined up wrong, blown coverages and whatnot. And then last week against Oklahoma State, a team who actually averages more plays per game than Oklahoma, mm-hmm. KU defense looked very organized. And yes, Oklahoma did not have Spencer Sanders, but just as far as the tempo side of things, Oklahoma State actually, I think, had a higher uh, pace of tempo in terms of time between snap than they did on average for their first portion of the games this season. So it's not like they were slowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the bye week helped KU. I'm sure the Oklahoma tape and, and that experience helped KU. But now you have another challenge because Texas Tech runs more plays than any team in the country, and that's who you're playing this week. Uh, how, how much of a worry is that for you in this matchup or – did Kansas answer enough of those questions last week against the Cowboys? Oh, I think it's definitely still a worry. I think that's one of those things where it doesn't really matter what Kansas does. I'm still going to have concerns about it just because the way that Kansas wants to play, right? They want to rotate the defensive tackles. And there's a funny moment, I believe maybe the first half, Tommy Dunn was on the field at defensive tackle and, and Jim Panagos, who kind of runs the substitutions for the defensive line during the game, like did a sub and Tommy Dunn goes running off the field. And you just see Panagos be like, stop, stop. And like all of a sudden Tommy Dunn starts to walk, just like stops himself, starts to walk. And you're like, ah, they're trying to control the clock and control the pace here. And that's the issue with teams like Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State is when they go up tempo, KU can't sub. And all of a sudden kind of that talent disparity starts to show because KU's defensive tackles when they're fresh can hold their own. But when they start to get tired, that's when all of a sudden those big gaps start to show up. And with Texas Tech, I mean, you mentioned it, right? I like to look at kind of the plays per minute, if you if you will, and they're the second fastest team in the country. The fourth fastest team in the country is Oklahoma State, and the seventh fastest team in the country is Oklahoma. So you're looking at all these teams being so bunched together in terms of the plays per minute that I think playing them successively, you know, you have Baylor mixed in there, and they don't go too fast, but 
to go from Oklahoma on the road where you just get battered and it's not great. Then to show improvement against Oklahoma State is really good, and I think it's going to be a really big test on Saturday if they can control the pace because I haven't looked at the snap counts yet for Texas Tech to see if they sub a lot. Oklahoma State never – or sorry, Oklahoma never subbed. Oklahoma State did sub even though they try and go up tempo, which then allows Kansas to sub and match and do their own thing. So I need to look and see if Texas Tech is using a lot of personnel groupings because if they are – then all of a sudden that allows Kansas to control the pace because of just the substitution rules where Oklahoma, it's a lot tougher of a matchup. So this still is a concern for me, but I think KU's shown some signs of improvement over the last kind of couple of games that I think, okay, maybe they figure some things out of how they can handle this. Do you have those tempo numbers for, for the last two games after that for the uh, Kansas State game and the, and the Texas game as well for, for how fast they're going? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you got to go really far down. So uh, Texas is the 32nd overall. Okay. And then K-State is uh, – Yeah, they're usually slow tempo. They're very slow. They're number 98 nationally. And to put that in perspective, K-State's at 98 at 2.14. KU's down at 108 at 2.1. So K-State's the closest thing to Kansas in terms of their offense. And if you want to look at KU's offense, it's pretty funny. They break the huddle at 15 seconds every time. They get to the line at 10 seconds. They motion and they snap with three to five. And it's just KU's going to try and go slow offensively, right, shorten the games and – Later in the season, they'll fit better. Uh, as far as you know, maybe a player or a unit or, or something that has to go well for Kansas in this game, if, if they're going to beat Texas Tech on the road, outside of the tempo stuff, what has to go yeah. right for KU on Saturday? Well, I think you have to have the running game back. I think you saw offensively for Kansas what happens when they can run the ball really well. And you saw against Baylor, right, the, the game state kind of impacted KU not really running the ball too much, but – I think you look at kind of the games against Baylor and in Oklahoma where KU was able to run the ball a little bit against Oklahoma, but not as much as you thought going against that defense. And then all of a sudden last week, things really unraveled. And I think that, you know, Oklahoma state's not good at stopping the run. You knew that going into the game, but it opens up so much for the offense where it alleviates so much pressure on Jason Bean. If Devin Neal's carving up defense or if Kai Thomas is able to get going. So I look at that statistic going into the game can KU get over 200 yards rushing if they can I really like their chances because a that controls the tempo keeps Texas Tech's offense off the field you're going to make Texas Tech have to execute and if they go up tempo and go three and out all of a sudden you get the ball back and you're going to really really control the time of clock and the time of possession and really limit Texas Tech's ability to do anything so I think for me in this KU team generally I think the first data look at post game is always the rushing because if KU is stopping the run and running the ball really well, that's how you saw them start out 5-0 and and have such a good start offensively because the running game just opens up everything else. And as Andy Kornicki has talked about a ton this season, it's a lot easier to call plays when it's 3rd and 3 than when it's 3rd and 7. All right, in just a minute, I'm going to get over to some uh, crossover questions, which I know Michael always gets him thinking at the end of things here. Uh, but this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which you might be listening to this, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And right now you can get Kansas 
plus points against Texas Tech. The over-under is in the mid-60s. You can also bet on them for the uh, North Dakota State game tonight, which I haven't seen the line yet, but you can get in on the action and uh, feel confident one way or another for KU in that game. Take them in that one as at betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so, Michael, um, I've got some crossover questions for you here to finish things out. Uh, more points from players not named Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, and Kevin McCuller, or KU football points against Texas Tech. This is a little bit of a complicated oh, math one. That's easy. Give me, te- give me KU against Texas Tech. I've seen nothing from the rest of the team that makes me think that anyone on that team is going to combine to score over 35 points. And I think he's going to score 35 points against Texas Tech this weekend. I, For me, outside of those three that you mentioned, I'm very concerned about the scoring. Ernest Duday is not going to score a ton. KJ Adams is not going to score a ton. Dewan Harris, cool, he gets 15 points. Like, you're still looking for 15 points from the rest of the bench, and I don't think Bobby Petford's going to average 13 a game. So, yeah, I'll take uh, KU against Texas Tech. More alley-oops by Ernest Uday or turnovers by the Kansas defense forced against Texas Tech? Ooh, so KU's forcing two turnovers per game basically this season. And uh, I'll take Ernest in this one because I just think that he's going to get some more playing time. I think, you know, tonight and yeah, I'll go with that. Don't have much more reason than that. Uh, More wins. Kansas basketball the next three games without Bill Self. Or Kansas football the rest of the season, but you're getting plus .5. So tiebreaker goes to KU football. And you obviously have the bowl game now as well. Ooh, that's tough. You're going to lose. KU's going to lose to Duke. I think that's pretty pretty set in stone. I would say I think you have to take Kansas basketball in this just because I think that if they win the bowl game, cool. I Those are always hard to predict. You don't know where the team's headspace is going to be at with everything. And Maybe they beat Texas Tech. You know, I think it's just a safer bet to say KU beating some of the the worst programs they're going to play and losing to Duke and maybe treating the Duke as the, the coin flip game where, you know, it's Kansas State or Texas for, for the football team. Grady Dick winning National Player of the Year or Kansas finishing the regular season 9-3 and three in football, which is more likely. Well... If they finish nine and three, that that's impossible because they'll have to go to the Big Twelve title game. So finishing the regular season nine and three. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm not going to give um, you that out. Yeah, no, you got to take Kansas finishing nine and three. I just Grady Dick, great story, but National Player of the Year, holy smokes, that'd be some type of season. You're looking at him being a top ten pick if that happens, and I don't know if I like the likelihood of that. Yeah, the, I think the problem there too is like he. He's going to score with the best of them, but I, I don't know about some of the other stats. Like, are you going to have enough rebounds and assists mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Now, if you're averaging like 22 a game and Kansas is like the number one team in the country, sure, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Texas winning the Big 12 in football or winning it um, in either regular or postseason basketball. So zooming out to some Big 12 stuff to finish here. I don't trust Chris Beard. I don't. I think he's a good coach, but that team is so weirdly built. It makes zero sense what they've done. So, yeah, I'll take Texas football, even though Sark is just as fraudulent. That's really tough, actually. I don't like either of those coaches in terms of just the way they manage rosters. But, yeah, I'll take football. I'll take football. Baylor winning the Big 12 title in football or sweeping the regular and postseason Big 12 titles 
without anyone sharing it in basketball. Oh, man. Boat? No. Yeah, no way. Get Baylor football. I, that's too much. And I don't think Baylor is going to be very good defensively this year. I think that they're going to be a high-scoring team. And in the Big 12 tournament, I think that lends itself to someone matching you if they have a, a, a poor game. So I'll take the football team. They're playing well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, does TCU win as many games in Big 12 play for the regular season as they do total football games this year? Uh, does the basketball team win as much as the football team? No, no. I think TCU could go undefeated. They're that good. Um, I think this weekend's kind of the one time where I think they might lose. I think they'll beat Baylor. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this TCU basketball team, after what we saw in the season opener from them, where it was kind of diabolical, um, I think I'll take football team right now. Awesome. Well, Michael, appreciate you hopping on and uh, joining the show today. Again, you can check out all his work, fog.net, 24-7 sports, anything we should be on the lookout for, any any stories you want to uh, pub out there? Uh, Lorenzo McCaskill. Um, I think he's a fascinating story, and he was pretty open talking about his own struggles. And one of the great interviewers I think KU has on this team, and has only talked for the second time this year, but it was really good to get his perspective. And he was pretty honest about, hey, this is pretty difficult. So we got that story up on the website I think people will really enjoy. All right. Again, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. You can uh, catch our next one previewing the Texas Tech game on the show tomorrow. And if you'd like for anything for the show to talk about, you can either comment on YouTube, reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. That'll do it for Locked on Jayhawks. Have a good rest of your day. You can hear me later today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence.